The detective described the place they went to, quote, It was a very thickly wooded, dense area, spiderwebs, 2am, very dark. I had two of my investigators with me. We searched so long that our flashlight battery started wearing out, and we came across her pretty deep into the woods. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. Episode 55, Ashley Reeves. On Thursday the 27th of April 2006, 17-year-old high school junior Ashley Reeves was at the home she shared with her parents and younger sister Casey. She told Casey she had a job interview for a shoe store across town and she would be back before her 10.30pm curfew. Casey told her sister goodbye and watched as she opened the driver's side door to the white SUV she'd borrowed from her boyfriend Jeremy Smith. She got inside and drove off down the street. Jeremy Smith and Ashley Reeves had been dating for between two to three years and Ashley's family fully supported their relationship. Casey loved how happy her older sister was with Jeremy and was always on at her to treat him right and make sure he stayed a part of their family. Casey really looked up to Ashley She saw how sociable she was and that she worked hard at school. She wanted to be just like her when she grew up. Ashley planned to drive around 10 miles away from her house in Milstead, Illinois, and go to Fairview Heights. The rest of the night was relatively uneventful for the rest of the Reeves family, but when Ashley's 10.30pm curfew came around, she didn't arrive home as planned. It was unlike Ashley to miss her curfew time, but if she ever did, she would always call home and let her mother Michelle know. As the night got later and later, both of Ashley's parents began to grow concerned. Michelle asked Casey if she'd heard from Ashley, but she hadn't. No one could get through to her on the cell phone, and she wasn't answering any texts from her sister or friends. By this point, Michelle was very worried and called the police to report her daughter as missing. A media alert was issued for Ashley, and the police said they hadn't been able to verify that Ashley did actually have a job interview. By 11.30pm that night, the SUV Ashley had been driving was located in Latterman Park in Belleville. Inside, investigators found Ashley's basketball clothes and interview clothes. There was no sign of Ashley. The following day, the investigating team brought Ashley's boyfriend Jeremy in for a voluntary interview. By all accounts, he seemed to be a good boyfriend, and when asked, he agreed to take a polygraph test if the detectives wanted him to. He told them he was out of town the night Ashley disappeared. He'd been at his uncle's bar and grill and his alibi did check out. Just before officers let him go, Jeremy confirmed that Ashley had told him she was going to go to the shoe store interview and then planned to go play basketball in a parking lot out in Laderman Park. This piece of information piqued the officers' interests because that park was out in Belleville and wasn't one of the nearer places to play basketball so it became clear that Ashley must have been going to meet someone out there, and they must have some connection with the Belleville area. Meanwhile, Michelle and Casey got into their car and drove round town, searching for Ashley. Casey had Ashley's phone bill and was working her way through calling all of the numbers on the list to see if any one of her friends had seen her or might know where she would be. Casey noticed one number on the phone bill that came up more than any other. She dialed the number and a man answered. The man was Samson Shelton. Sam was the adult son of one of Michelle's friends. 
Sam's mother Susan was a first grade teacher and Sam himself was a teacher. Sam was well known by Ashley and her friends as he used to work at their school as a driver's education and gym teacher and he'd moved on but still worked nearby at a different school. He knew Ashley quite well because he'd taught her when she was in seventh grade. Sam told Casey that he was sorry but he couldn't help. He hadn't seen Ashley that evening and and didn't know where she could be. On further investigation, it became clear that the basketball session Ashley told her boyfriend about hadn't been a one-off. She'd been attending sessions for the last few weeks and they weren't group games or with any other players. They were one-on-one sessions between Ashley and Sam, the man who her phone bill showed a huge number of calls to and from. And Sam lived in Belleville, close to Ladderman Park. Ashley's best friend Christy told Ashley's mother Michelle that there was more to this Sam Shelton than she'd revealed before. He and Ashley hadn't just started up a kind of friendship. Christy said their relationship was much more than a friendship and was actually romantic. Bear in mind that Ashley's a 17-year-old ex-student of Sam's and he's 27. Further investigation into Sam revealed that he was an aspiring wrestler and when he was in the ring, he went by the name The Teacher. He would often refer to himself online as Mr. Discipline and he named one of the wrestling moves the after-school special. Sam was known to many of Ashley's friends and that he bounced from teaching job to teaching job, never staying anywhere for more than a couple of years at a time. He lived with his mother, Susan, and his grandmother, and they were all extremely close. Detectives were immediately suspicious of Sam and brought him in for a voluntary interview, where he was asked about the nature of his relationship with Ashley. He told officers that he was just friends with Ashley and would occasionally play basketball with her. He reiterated that their relationship was purely platonic, but he had become a bit concerned about her behaviour recently, and had started to avoid her. He told officers that she had, quote, started becoming obsessed with me because, like I said, she'd be calling me non-stop at times. He went on to say that the most he'd do would be to give her a hug goodbye, which he clarified wasn't sexual. Investigators had a bad feeling about Sam and noted that it felt as though he was trying to manipulate and control the interview. It wasn't long before Sam found himself in a web of lies, especially as Ashley's friends began revealing what they had been told by Ashley. It meant that he had no choice but to come clean about the true nature of his and Ashley's relationship. Sam was quick to tell them that they, quote, never kissed. He went on to reiterate that again, and then he revealed that although they hadn't kissed, I don't know why that matters, they did have sex in the back of his car. He kept going back and forth and changing his story and eventually he said that he did want to have a relationship with her but had changed his mind soon after and then tried to break the relationship off. Investigators pressed him and Sam did reveal that the day she disappeared, Ashley had been in the car with him. He went on to say that the two of them had had an argument and that Ashley was screaming and kicking. He said that he'd had enough so he picked her up and took her outside of the car He then said he just left her by the side of the road and drove off. The detectives asked him why he hadn't told them about this before, or why he'd not tried to find her or call her after that argument. 
Sam told them that he didn't want to drive back that way and see that Ashley had been hit by a car or had something bad happen to her. He continued saying that he was squeamish. He couldn't deal with, quote, gore, and so just didn't go back or concern himself with finding out what had actually happened or where she was once Ashley's family had called to ask. Detectives knew that Sam's story was utter BS, but they weren't getting any truth out of him. He just kept going back and changing his story, but he wouldn't actually admit to harming Ashley in any way or to telling them where she might be at. And that's when a stroke of luck came upon the police department. Sam had previously done some work with the Boy Scouts. He was tasked with teaching them about law enforcement and whilst there, he'd worked with one of the police department's lead detectives, Stephen Johnson. Stephen ran into Sam when he was heading back from a bathroom break at the station. The detective decided to take him into an interview room and question him further. He already had a relationship with Sam and believed he could crack him. He carefully guided Sam into talking about how he was feeling, and then he brought up Sam's grandmother. This hit a nerve with him and he told Detective Stephen Johnson that he wanted to see his grandmother and mother. Stephen pushed this. He said that Sam's grandmother and mother weren't there, but quote, in a way they are, because everything they taught you, all the talks grandma had with you are within you all of them. And unfortunately right now, Sam, you're not telling us the truth, and you have to, for grandma, for mum. By this point, the interrogation had lasted nearly 12 hours, and Sam was at breaking point. He told Stephen he'd have to show him what had happened. He said that he took Ashley to a wooded area. He had tied a thing around her neck to make it look like someone had choked her. He had choked her to death. Sam agreed to take Stephen to that part of the woods near to Citizens Park and show him where he dumped Ashley's body. This was about a 12-minute drive from Ashley's house. The detective Stephen Johnson described the place they went to as, quote, It was a very thickly wooded, dense area. Spiderwebs, 2am, very dark. I had two of my investigators with me, along with Sam Shelton. We searched so long that our flashlight battery started wearing out, and we came across her pretty deep into the woods. Even though Sam and Stephen had taken a whole team of investigators out there, after 20 to 30 minutes and no sign of Ashley, it seemed that maybe Sam wasn't being honest with them after all. It was pitch black and all the investigators had to search for Ashley's body were some torches. It was reported that rain in the area had also distorted Sam's ability to fully remember the exact place he'd left Ashley's body. Just then, one of the detectives' lights brushed over a white bulge on the ground ahead. It was the white, muddy t-shirt belonging to Ashley Reeves. On closer inspection, the detective saw that Ashley was placed lying down on her back with hundreds of insect bites on her body. It was clear she'd been out there since she disappeared, over 30 hours ago. The body was clearly in bad shape and the detective noted Ashley was unfortunately, quote, clearly deceased. But then, Ashley's eye flickered and her chest moved. She was alive. Detective Steve Johnson said, quote, Investigator Hundle and I were looking at her and I thought the ground moved a little bit. 
We had been working on this case for nearly 25 hours, and as it turned out, her chest moved and she took a breath, and immediately we called for ambulance personnel. We knew we couldn't get her out without help. We had to call rescue to literally cut a path with chainsaws, it was so thick. Paramedics quickly arrived, and although Ashley was alive, it was clear that her condition wasn't good. One of the paramedics told the detectives that she wasn't likely to make it to hospital. Meanwhile, Sam confessed the truth, or at least his version of the truth. He said that he and Ashley were in his car and had gotten into an argument. He told them he just wanted her to shut up and so he did a wrestling move, a kind of chokehold on her. And then he heard her neck crack and she lost all function of her body. He initially thought he'd killed her there and then, but then decided he needed to make it look like someone else had done it. He took his belt and wrapped it around her neck. He then pulled as tightly as he could, but after a few minutes, he realised she was still breathing. He pulled on the belt again, and this time after a few moments, he heard a gurgle and saw that she was foaming with saliva. He let go of the belt and noticed that her skin had gone a sickly. He let go of the belt and noticed that her skin had gone to a sickly colour and her tongue was sticking out. He pulled once more on the belt and it actually snapped. He then used his hands to make sure he'd killed her. He dragged her further out into the woods. Once he was sure Ashley was dead, he took off running towards his car and drove off into the night. Later on that evening, he is seen on videotape at a group dance session at a local bar. Ashley's best friend Christy thought the more likely reason for the argument was that, quote, I think she told him that she couldn't see him anymore. I think he might have become too obsessed with her. Sam was held on a $1 million bond and charged with two counts of attempted first-degree murder and one count of aggravated kidnapping. Unbelievably, immediately after confessing, whilst he was still in the interrogation room with an officer, Sam asked, quote, Am I going to be able to get, like, my contact solution and take my contacts out and a toothbrush? The officer says he doesn't think so and then Sam asks again. He then goes on to say, quote, Am I going to get, like, a little private toilet? Because I can't pee when there's people around because of my urinary stress disorder. Because I'll be miserable if I can't pee. It's incredibly clear Sam doesn't realise the gravitas of what he's actually done. It came to light that just a couple of weeks before he attacked Ashley, he had asked his old boss, the principal at Milstadt, for a recommendation for a new job. He told the principal that he just thought it wasn't a good idea to work in his hometown. That same principal said that he was completely shocked Sam did what he did. He said that his aggressive behaviour was nothing like the friendly and outgoing person he'd come to know. In a surprising turn of events, Sam's bail was reduced and he was placed on house arrest. Whilst awaiting trial, he actually tried to end his life. Emergency services did manage to revive him even after finding the words do not resuscitate etched onto his own chest in pen. On revival, Sam became violent and angry. And once he arrived at hospital, he spat racial slurs at one nurse and then he kicked her in the face. This, in turn, led to a full mental evaluation to see if Sam was fit to stand trial for attempted murder. Prosecutors argued that he was faking mental illness as a way of gaining sympathy from future jurors. 
but a psychiatric evaluation found Sam mentally fit to stand trial. Meanwhile, Ashley had been rushed to hospital and taken into intensive care. Doctors placed her in an induced coma and her family were at her bedside for the next hour. She did survive that first hour and the second and before long she'd gotten through a whole week. She worked through the next few weeks and months with the support of her family, friends and medical professionals to start her recovery process. One of the detectives working the case spoke of just how tough she was and her sister Casey spoke about how difficult that recovery journey was, including relearning to eat, drink and speak. It took her months to begin communicating and once Ashley was well enough to properly speak, detectives were keen to ask about what had actually happened. Unfortunately, Ashley's memory from the day of the attack had completely gone. She couldn't remember the few days before and the few weeks afterwards. Thankfully, the investigation team had more than enough evidence from Sam's confessions and the forensic evidence found, and they were confident that they would be able to convict. The case never actually went to trial though, because Sam pleaded guilty. He was sentenced to 20 years in prison for attempted first-degree murder and is being held in the Medium Security Hill Correctional Centre in Galesburg. This happened a little while ago and he's actually eligible for parole in April of next year, 2024. Sam's mother Susan said the family reluctantly settled for the deal. She said he wouldn't have gotten a fair trial because of the quote, continuing demonisation of Sam. I think he did that to himself when he tried to kill his ex-student. Susan went on to say, quote, Sam's family and friends know the incident with Miss Reeves was an accident but we reluctantly support Sam's decision to plead guilty. I realised that he hurt her, he thought she was dead and he tried to cover that up. She added that she didn't think Sam's actions constituted attempted murder and when she was asked if she was disappointed her son didn't apologise, Susan said, quote, not in this case, no. After the sentencing, Ashley said, quote, I'm glad it's over with. I just want to continue with my life and not worry about it. Her recovery journey continued, with Ashley graduating high school at age 18 and with plans to go on to college. Years later, she's gone on to have two children of her own and keeps in regular contact with the detectives who found and saved her life. In 2017, she said this, I'm a fighter who constantly wants to push herself further and more. I've matured, become older and developed a more positive attitude on life. Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up on yourself. There are larger and greater things in this world. I've been through a lot of adversity and all I can say is to keep fighting. It's a challenge every day, but you just have to keep going. Thank you for listening to this episode of Red Rum, Humans. If you've been enjoying our Humans or Red Rum series and like what you're hearing, please consider buying a coffee this Christmas to support us to continue bringing this content. There's a link in the bio that you can click and you can choose your amount that you'd like to donate. Thank you and from everyone here at Red Rum, we hope you have a very happy new year.